I get asked so many times, what got you started in researching the paranormal and investigating the unusual, the unknown? What fascinated you? What drew you into it? Uh, what experiences have you had? Now, I have books and books full of things I've encountered, things I've seen that I can't explain, that I've witnessed, and that have been shared with me from other people and other sources and other parts of the world. And I've written about these. I've talked about them time and time again. I've shared my stories. And this episode of Paranormally Speaking with me, your host, Neil Parks, I'll be giving you first-hand encounters that I've had and explaining to you a little bit as to why I do what I do, what got me into it, why I continue to do it, and how it has become an integral part of what my family and I do when we're vacationing or when we're sightseeing or going to a new location. My wife's in on it, my kids are into it, and my brother-in-law and his wife, they've assisted, they've helped us, uh, photographing, documenting evidence, video recording, and of course, I have an inner circle that we've worked with closely through the years of about four or five different people that are affiliated with our core group that have conducted these investigations and have done research. And I'm approaching the age of 47 now, so I'm, I've got over 30 years of experience, first-hand encounters, first-hand experience in this field stories I can tell, the stories I have told, the things I've yet to share. That's what this episode is all about. I've included an interview with myself and Loper and Randy live from 99.7 The Blitz, which I appear regularly on in the month of October to discuss Halloween and haunted hotspots throughout the Columbus, Ohio area and the entire state. And including tri-state stops as well. Uh, an interview I had with WXYZ News Radio out of Southern Ohio. And a few other times that I've conducted and taken part in uh, a lecture and or a book signing and stories I've shared with that as well. But that's what this week's episode is all about. Sort of an in-depth discussion about me, why I do what I do, what drew me into it, why I find it fascinating, and hoping that maybe you as well, the listener, will learn something new about me or maybe dig deep within yourself and learn a little bit about yourself based on what you've experienced or what you've shoved away in your deepest of memories of things that you've experienced, either as a child or a young adult or a teen. You may not really have ever discussed or shared with anyone before. I'm all ears. You can always email me at parksparanormal at gmail.com. Any kind of cool episode ideas or stories that you have to share, encounters you've experienced. And you can always order copies of my books through Amazon or through my publisher, lulu.com. My books are also available through Barnes & Noble. And I also have other merch, for example, t-shirts and 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes. So please hold for a very important message from one of my sponsors. 
Available to order now, my first audiobook, Neil Parks Presents Truly Terrifying Tales, narrated by me. It's ready to order and download on bandcamp.com. My other books, of course, are always available to order on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and lulu.com. You can also order t-shirts that I designed that I normally sell at conventions, festivals, lectures, and my book signings. I always have the 9-inch tall 3D printed Bigfoot silhouettes available, and last spring my first children's book was released. It was written by my good friend and fellow author, R.L. Walker. I illustrated this book, and it was a major shift in gears for me, considering that my writing and art style has always been dark and scary. To order any of what I just mentioned, you can also go to my email, which is parksparanormal at gmail.com. That is parksparanormal at gmail.com. Standing by. Well, bump in the night. And some of the things that go bump in the night are buddy Neil Parks from Circleville. Or, I'm sorry, from Chillicothe was here uh, just about a week ago. And in over the last couple of years, he's, he's given us, like, the lowdown on some serious haunted areas and, and different mythological creatures that people are talking about. So, uh, by popular demand, I wanted to play a couple of these. And uh, here's Neil. Play cut two here, Rick. Uh, this is Neil telling a story about the Hillsborough mass murderer. Check this out. Well, there's allegedly a guy in uh, the Hillsboro area who was yeah. said to have killed 30-something people. And on his birthday every year, he reveals another victim. And that's what's keeping him out of solitary confinement. And allegedly, the sheriff's department in that area is keeping him in the jail itself, not in actual uh, populated prison. Because he's worked out a deal to where on his birthday he release, uh, releases the name of a new victim. And his property is said to be haunted by at least 17 victims. That, and he owned a uh, auto body shop, like a garage. And he was killing these people and burying them on the property of the garage and throughout different parts of, of the region. This supposedly happened in the 80s and he's still alive and they're keeping him in the county... Uh, the sheriff's jail sale, essentially the prison there, not within uh, the regular now? population currently. Yeah, that's the story I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like. Can we call them and say, "Hey, is so and so there?" Because I'm going to find out what's going on, man. <laughs> yeah, why is that guy not in prison? Yeah. <laughs> so that's the story of the Hillsboro mass murderer. Oh, okay. And this is our buddy Neil Parks. What'd you say, Rick? Cut three. One or three. Either one. All right, so yeah. this is uh, talking about the Moonville Tunnel here in Ohio. Check this out. Uh, the Moonville Tunnel. Uh, there are two places you can go in particular to get directions. I suggest getting directions to it online. It's a lot better. But there's one gas station. Uh, it's not open anymore, but back in the day when I would go there frequently, it was a Ma and Pa gas station that was very reminiscent of um, Captain Spaulding. Oh, you my there, gosh. So. Really? Oh, rest in peace, by you, the way. Yeah. Yeah, I miss Sid. And, and uh, you'd go, get directions, and he'd be like, ah, oh, there's a rusted bus down to the right, and then you got to take a left at the old tree that's been burnt out, and there's a dead bird in there. It was kind of like, <laughs> get directions like that. Sure. But the legit gas station that is there and operates frequently, they give really good directions. In fact, they have uh, little maps there you can take for free, and it'll give you directions on how to get uh, to that area. I believe the name of the road starts with an R. God, I can't remember now. Uh, I never actually drove there myself. I always ride with people because I have terrible night vision. So uh, they normally drive at night. And 
when you go to this area, it's a tunnel that's been graffitied uh, out the wazoo. There's spray paint everywhere. Of course, people are putting um, spray paint and writing Hail Satan, but they spell it Satin. So, <laughs> Hail Satin. I, I, it does I not guess, have the same yeah, does effect, not. guys. I like Satin. <laughs> yeah, Hail Satin. Hail so. Satin. Me too. It's so soft. <laughs> yeah. So, you've got that and all these inverted crosses, just people screwing around, and then you've got local folks saying, oh, Satanists are up there meeting, but that's not So, it's kind of like the Mothman thing yeah. in it's that all area. Like a lot of local Ohio, West Virginia. And there's a ghost of a lantern man that Ooh. walks up and down the tunnel who died on the train track. He is said to be headless. Mm, gotta have my lantern, be a headless man, headless. lantern man. All right, there you go. Neil Parks, one of our buddies that is a specialist when it comes to things that are all things paranormal in the state of Ohio and some mythological creatures when it comes to Bigfoot and things like that. We'll uh, hear from him uh, tomorrow. Talk about Bigfoot a little bit as we get closer and closer to Halloween. Next. Now playing one of the biggest podcasts of the week on the free iHeartRadio app. Now number one for podcasting. I remember a few years ago, a walkthrough that I conducted during the daytime at a local property in my hometown of Chillicothe, Ohio, Ohio's first capital. It was before the second annual Chillicothe Ghost Walk. This was in 2008, and it was in the historic downtown district of Chillicothe, Ohio, where the Erie Canal used to go through, which is now known as Water Street, and the upstairs now apartment area of this property, which beneath it was at that time Lloyd's Sweet Shop. And the upstairs during the days of the canal was a brothel. Uh, and at another time, it was uh, like group housing. But at this time, I'm doing a daytime walkthrough, and I brought my son with me, who was fastly approaching the age of two. He was able to walk around and had a bag of candy that I had acquired from Lloyd's Sweet Shop before making our way up there. Yes, I take my children on research and walkthroughs and <clears throat> investigations sometimes. And accompanying us on this walkthrough was one of the founding members of the Women's League of Voters of Ross County, Ohio. They were the ones that were promoting and bankrolling this downtown ghost walk. And they chose me as the primary expert on all things paranormal in preparation for the ghost walk. So they had me walk with uh, one of their members upstairs to what at one time was a brothel. And as I'm walking around, this the stairwell that leads up to the top floor is extremely narrow. Uh, I'm assuming because at that time there were no trans fats in food or hormones, growth hormones in our food. So people were considerably smaller back then on average. And now we have an obesity problem in the United States, so... It's going to be a bit more difficult for some people to make their way up this stairwell. But fortunately, during the ghost walk, when it happened a few weeks later, people of all shapes and sizes were able to scale those stairs, make it in, and experience the paranormal that was in this property firsthand. Now, as I reach the top of the stairs, I'm holding my son, and he's clenching his brown bag of candy. 
Now, some of this candy, you got your basic chocolate coins wrapped in the foil. You have some of your import chocolates and various other gadgetry like novelty items. You know, because I like to splurge on my kids. So this was way before Bella was born, too. She came along two years later. So as I'm walking around with him, I put him down to walk next to me, holding his tiny hand. And in his other hand, he's holding that same bag. And I'm just conversing back and forth with this member of the Women's League of Voters. And before she even tells me anything about the property, I immediately get a sense of female energy, not just from her, but overall strong female energy in this property in the upstairs. And I could smell old world cooking taking place or having had taken place at one point in time in this area. Now, you know, that's all old 19th century or 20th century, um, late 19th century wallboard, of course, and food and other various aromas like pipe smoke or cigar smoke will bake into the wallboard. And due to changes in atmospheric climate change or whatever, those aromas will expel from the wallboard, almost as if the board, the wall itself is breathing. So you get a whiff of that and you're immediately taken back to another time. So I could smell like old lard and old fried food and various other types of aromas, pipe smoke, um, old world perfumes. It just sort of lingered in the upstairs of this property. And as I'm turning a corner and walking past one of the rooms, because there's a room to the left, room to the right, and three rooms ahead. Now, this upstairs area goes on and on and on. It's all interconnected to the neighboring properties and the properties in the back. This is one city block here that is a part of the historical downtown district. And I go from one room to another, and I keep feeling like something's running from me. Like I've discovered it, and it knows that I feel it, that I notice it, and it moves from room to room. Luke immediately starts reacting. That's my son. As I'm holding him over my shoulder, because I pick him up before we walk further back, because it's a, it's a bit darker there, and I wasn't sure of the flooring, if it was strong enough to support us. So I have him over my shoulder, and he starts giggling and reaching out to something behind me. And I turn, I don't turn my full body, I just turn my head and look out of the corner of my eye. And he has his hand over both of his eyes, the only hand that's not clenching the bag of chocolates. And then he giggles and moves his hands away from his eyes and then back over the eyes. He was playing peekaboo with something behind me that I could not physically see, but I could metaphysically feel the energy of what he saw with his own eyes. And this went on for about five minutes. And we go further back. I take a left. A few more rooms here and there. And this thing continues to follow us. So at this point, when we reach the main foyer area of the upstairs, beyond all the rooms, beyond the kitchen, beyond the one bathroom that was up there for all of these rooms, I sit him down on a folding table that's up there. And he turns and faces the other way while I'm having a conversation with the representative from the Women's League of Voters about 
the plans for the ghost walk where I'm going to be sitting, where they're going to set up my table. Because I would, of course, at this point in time, be selling the first book I ever had published. At, at that point in time, I had only had one book out. This was in 2008. I was a new author, a relatively unknown regionally or statewide or even beyond that. I was just on the lips and minds of a few people. No big deal. And this was way before my podcast or YouTube channel or appearances and documentaries and working with independent film companies and paranormal films and so forth before my IMDb page. It was a humble beginning. And when I sit Luke on this table, he starts blabbing away and conversing with something that's in the corner that I can feel is there, but I don't see it. It's not revealing itself to me. He still sees it. And he opens up his bag, reaches his hand in, and holds out one of the foil-wrapped chocolates and keeps saying, here, here, here. And he puts his hand down, and for like five seconds, that freaking foil-wrapped chocolate sort of hovers there as he puts his hand down. And then it just drops on the table. And he takes out a little toy car that was in the bag that I also acquired from the novelty section of this chocolate shop for him. And he rolls it on the table and it stops. Rolls it a little way and it stops right at the edge. And both the representative for the Women's League of Voters and myself are watching this happen. And the car stops turns around like someone placed their thumb and index finger on it and twisted it around and pushed it right back towards him. He giggled with delight. It was a great time for him. But it was a little unsettling because I couldn't see the damn thing. But he was fully interacting with some metaphysical apparition. And, you know, I've told him this story to this day. In fact, I wrote about the encounter in my second book, which is titled Haunted Chillicothe, all about the history and mystery of this paranormal hotspot that I live in. My first book was titled Paranormal Chronicles, Tales of Humor, Horror, and the Absolutely Strange. And that was a first attempt to essentially dip my toe in the water of the literary world to see where it would take me. Because I just wanted to share stories that my grandmother had relayed to me of her experiences and encounters and people around her, what they saw and heard and witnessed. And my great aunt and my uncles who served in uh, the Vietnam War and what they saw overseas and witnessed paranormal encounters, weird beasts of the jungle, uh, UFO sightings, ghosts, name it. That's what I wrote about in the first book. My own personal experiences, and that's why this story I just shared with you made it to my second book, because it truly was a powerful experience involving a child and the paranormal. Please hold for an important word from our sponsor. Unparalleled Insider Access. Get it all. Introducing the SiriusXM Platinum VIP Plan, our newest, most exclusive plan. 
listen in two cars, plus stream anywhere with two app logins. Access a massive, exclusive library of live concert video and audio recordings through nugs.net. Have opportunities to experience live and virtual SiriusXM events, including VIP-only exclusives. Get all your questions answered by a dedicated VIP customer care team. Plus, get all the entertainment we've got. It's all included with your Platinum VIP subscription. Be a VIP. Call 844-711-8800 to learn more. Offer detail supply. One login for activated vehicle. Not available in Canada. Most bizarre thing I've ever encountered. One uh, would be uh, when I was a guest speaker at the Mothman Festival in Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I told you, Randy. Uh, several years ago. I've, I've been a regular there, but I've taken some time off from it so I don't bore people. So this woman approaches me, and she is, seems to be distraught, and she's like, she really needed to talk to me, but not around other people. So she pulls me off to the side, and she says to me, I don't know how to tell you this, but... I know I've been abducted over and over again since the age of nine. I'm like, okay, go ahead. I, I'm open ears. I hear stories like this all the time. And she said, no, you don't understand. They've abducted me within the last year and impregnated me. I said, really? And she says, yes. And I was carrying the child almost to full term. And then the light took me again. And when I came to, I was in the hospital. And they say I was never pregnant to begin with. But I have ultrasounds showing that I had a child in my stomach. I, I said, oh, okay, did you, you know, did some cult maybe take your baby or something? Or did a dingo get your baby? And she's, I didn't really say that. That would be rude. So she she went on to, to say that she keeps having visions of a child that she um, will never see or never have because it was taken from her by the higher beings. And that she encountered a child that she knew was hers, but it was aged seven years, but she lost it about a year ago. And I'm like, okay, so it aged rapidly, she said, because it's an alien-human hybrid. And she knows it's her child because it spoke to her telepathically. Oh, and no. said, Mommy, I'm here, I'm okay. Um, they need me. They need me. I have a higher calling. And I, I'm start, I'm sitting, I have to sit down at this point. I'm like, okay, because that was a lot to unload on a guy that That's writes ghost books and talks yeah. about Bigfoot and You're like, this is a great man. story. Are you yeah. like, yes. I was thinking, is it I hard to capitalize on Is this? it hard? Like, do you have to, like, resist getting too caught up in the beginning? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, you can end up like Alex Jones. You mentioned sure. him earlier. Yeah. And create your own crazy cult of conspiracies mm -hmm. and... Mm -hmm. Then the government has you on a watch list, which isn't fun. I've had my phones tapped, but that's a whole other story. And that whole experience, uh, on top of that, then I, there was another time at the Mid-Ohio Paranormal Convention in Dayton where these people approached me and said that men in black were following them. Uh, men in black had told them not to talk to me <laughs> and that they feel they have to share these images with me before the men in black take them because they've broken into their house and ransacked their house looking for these images. And it was just random images of really weird black lines and posts that just appear out of nowhere within a five-second shot. They're not there. And then within a five-second shot, they are there. So, I mean, these were just typical Polaroids and snapshots. And I'm thinking, well, you know, that could have been a Sharpie marker. You just gave me a quick glimpse of the image. Let me analyze the, the actual film. Let me look into this. Let me know more about the land where these pictures were taken. They were giving me minimal information. So there's a lot of kooks out there like that, right. too. Well, and then mental health. So, yeah, you're like, mental health plus, yeah. yeah. But that yeah. woman really shook me to the core when she shared that information. So what, what, what came of, of that? 
uh, she had been following me for a while, and uh, this was during the days of the merge between MySpace losing its popularity and Facebook becoming a, a gotcha. big thing in like mm-hmm. 2010, 2011 when MySpace died. And she had been following me heavily on uh, Facebook, which is one of the reasons I don't have my own Facebook anymore. Um, I have fan pages, but I don't have anything more than just that about myself on Facebook. Why? Because you are having people find you and yeah. come up to you with problems? Uh, yeah, and uh, somehow getting my phone number because there was a time when Facebook would take the information you put in uh, that's supposed to be secure and right. they would have on their phone number and then I would be getting calls and texts right. and all hours of the night. Yeah. <gasps> I just heard something. <laughs> I need you to come over. <laughs> Deep wow. into my sock drawer. Yeah, I would get that a lot. Now what is the, so what would you say is like the the most definitive evidence that you've ever been a part of? Uh, like where, where made you a believer one hundred and ten percent. It started with me at a very early age. Uh what pushed me over the edge. I had always been aware of things, seen things, heard things, and I was told uh, by people close to me just to ignore it. Um, now you or, said like, like your mother or like your... your... Yeah, and uh, people at church. And uh, so they didn't... Add, so your mother or, or your parents or whoever this is uh, didn't ever have any sort of beliefs like you have? Like where? Oh, they do. They do. Uh, and they would choose to ignore it as well and not feed it, not give it attention. But I went the exact opposite out of rebellion, I guess. Like, give it to me. Ghostbusters in our era didn't help either, I'm sure. Ghostbusters did not help. I mean, it's a great (laughs) film, but it did not help to um, push that fire down, I guess. So what I kept encountering was a loved one that had died and died under mysterious circumstances, we were told, just from old age, but it was something more depression-related. And I kept seeing them around the time of the anniversary of their death, uh, not in a peaceful manner, but in a a manner of anguish and despair reaching out to me. It was freaking me out as a five-year-old, as a six-year-old, seven-year-old. This went on until I was about 11 or 12. Around the same week that they died, I would keep seeing them in and around the property that belonged to them. And would they come up to you specifically because they knew that you could you would acknowledge them? Yeah. Whoa. They wouldn't speak. It's almost as if they couldn't speak, but I got a sense of despair and and want and longing from them. Some they needed help for something. So, at the age of 12, it just dawned on me because it works for me in my area and those around me believe and acknowledge Jesus as a savior. So it worked for us mm-hmm. per se, religion-wise. And I prayed to God, take them wherever they need to go. They need you. They need to pass over. They need redemption, something. Save this soul. And the sighting stopped. I never saw this person again anymore in that state of being after that prayer was said. And it just, it's almost like a light went off that I'm supposed to do that. Uh, This is what I need to do. And it just only became... I guess it's um, you're like a walking Ouija board, like a spiritual I, gift worry. almost. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, Fantastic. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction. 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. That's terrific. Radio, welcome back to the program. It's Jason and JV. Phone number is 844-687-7669 if you want to join our discussion. Our guest this hour of the program is Neil Parks. Neil's a paranormal researcher and investigator and an author. He's written several books. And, uh, Neil, the books, uh, the most recent book is Haunted Enough, Terrifying Tales to Tell Your Friends. Um, most of your books uh, are collections of stories that you've gathered from various sources um, to share with folks. Uh, are they all paranormal? Or are they legends? What, what do the uh, stories make up? Well, the first three books I've written, the first one is Paranormal Chronicles, Tales of Humor, Horror, and the Absolutely Strange. And that one is a, a little bit of the stories my grandmother related to me, as well as a couple from a few aunts and uncles along the way, uh, a few people that have passed away, unfortunately. They are dedicated, uh, the book is dedicated to them and their memory. Uh, other stories in it are experiences of my own and uh, some investigations that I've been on that turned out not to be so paranormal and uh, had a funny twist at the end. So I had a little fun with that book just to see how it would go. Uh, you know, sort of dipping my uh, my toe in the water of literary literary world to see if people would take me seriously as an author. And the second book, Haunted Chillicothe, is all about Chillicothe, Ohio, where I live. It's Ohio's first capital and is actually one of the most um, haunted locations in South Central Ohio. Uh, the book has done very well locally, and believe it or not, a lot of people that have heard of me have ordered that book as well, uh, along with my more uh, nationally known books, and have enjoyed reading it as well. Now, the third book is Haunted Holidays, uh, which is a collection of short stories of strange and unusual paranormal happenings between Halloween Thanksgiving, Christmas, and New Year's. And I tied in a lot of um, legend and myth into that, as well as more stories geared towards spirituality and miracles, uh, sort of like blessings from angels and whatnot. And the most recent book that I've released, uh, which is Haunted Enough, uh, you'll notice there's a question mark at that title at the end of it. Uh, that was basically just a uh, realizing that this is not my final book, haunted enough, question mark. Uh, there will be something following that, of course, but my current book I'm working on is an actual novel, not a compilation of short stories. It's going to be a full-on 
chapter-by-chapter story um, written from just my mind and trying to tie in things from each book that I've written already as well as things that I've yet to write into an actual story setting and a group of characters. Now, do you also go back and research some old, well-known haunted type cases and uh, see if you're able to figure out what truly happened in those locations as well? Or is it just mainly things you know, that in your area and, and stuff of that nature? Uh, you mean basically tackling a cold case myself to see if I can put it into it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, something like that I've not really tackled much of um, other than just taking stories and stories and legends from people like the Carnegie Library in Washington Courthouse. It's supposed to be a haunted library and people that have worked there or people that have been there have relayed stories to me and I basically came to um, an inconclusive conclusion in the end. I really couldn't put an end to it. It's just it's going to be a legend as long as that building stands. Uh, digging up any kind of uh, I guess, an attempt from another researcher or group where they could not come up with a conclusion. I've not really done any more or any better than anyone else uh, in that avenue. Okay. So with all, with all the investigations and uh, research and everything else you've done, what's the most unusual or the weirdest encounter that you've ever experienced? Oh, goodness. One of the weirdest would have to be a uh, an area in South... East Ohio. Um, it's near Salt Fork Lake. The, it was a group of guys that were um, setting up trail cams in the area, and something kept getting past their property line and getting into their chickens and into a few of their smaller um, livestock animals. And they came to me because of a mutual friend we had. And they knew the type of research that I did and the stuff that I was posting on the internet before I had ever written a book. Uh, people had been, a few select people had been following me online and they caught wind of me. Then they reached out to this mutual friend of ours who then contacted me and said they really wanted to talk to me about figuring out what is attacking their livestock because they set up trail cams and they want to set up a security system around their house that would allow lights to come on and the cameras to engage due to motion. And they bought this whole pack from Radio Shack. Now, granted, this was like the early 2000s. So that type of technology was relatively archaic compared to what we have now. But back then, you did you felt as if it wasn't going to get any better anytime soon. So they had this whole pack from Radio Shack. I set it up for them, motion sensors, uh, the lights would come on when someone was in the area that they had these marked and set up and the cameras were set up for night vision and we basically waited. So in the end, the conclusion that I came to, it was coyotes that were getting in and doing this and the trail cams would show something big and hairy run past it to the right or to the left and that's all you saw on the trail cam was something big and hairy but then when uh, you had the surveillance footage picking out these coyotes in action, tearing these chickens apart, I'm like, well, gentlemen, what you have here is a group of coyotes that are coming in and doing this damage. You know, there's no Sasquatch here doing this. There's no werewolf. I'm sorry. 
I don't uh, have here what you're looking for. So a couple of days go by, and I am um, getting ready for bed late one night, and I get a phone call from a mutual friend, and he says, you're not going to believe what was on the news down there. I said, what? The guys that we know, they went to the local media and said that you had video footage of a werewolf. So what they did was they turned around and tried to put a sensationalism spin on this, and they provided the footage of the big hairy creature running back and forth past the trail cam, but nothing really beyond that, nothing that we had from the actual footage of the coyotes in action tearing the chickens apart. So I contacted the media after I found out about this story and got my my own eyes on the uh, news segment that was on showing these guys talking about the werewolf creature they have in their backyard and that everyone should be on alert. Your children could be in danger. Your pets could be devoured. It was insane. So I contacted the news, told them exactly what it was that was there, that I had the video footage of the coyotes in action, tearing the chickens apart, that no one in that area is in danger. These guys are just making that up for attention. And they had to retract the story and these guys were like branded scam artists and so forth. And I got a phone call from the main guy that was living on that property. He was the one they called Ah. And he said, if we ever catch you in this area again, we're going to make sure no one ever finds you. So mm-hmm. I'm very selective about what I investigate now because of that. Well, and do you find that in most cases that you're able to debunk or figure out what's truly going on? It has nothing to do with the paranormal? I've been lucky in that aspect. Uh, there have been quite a few cases I've cracked where it's not anything more than just um, issues with vehicles driving by and reflecting off something in the house that casts what looks like a translucent light bouncing across the wall or interference with baby monitors. Uh, there, there's a lot of simple explanations to certain things when people get hypersensitive about it. And that's the thing. You do find that a lot of people, a lot of people are, they're not trying to be mischievous. They're, they just misunderstand what's what's going on and you're able to help them out. But you do get those who try to be a little sneaky about it or who are living in hopes that the place is truly haunted or something really is going on. I mean, we've, we've even had guys, a guy build a speaker inside a wall trying to prove his house was haunted because he wanted to be on a show. So you do, you do get that and you need to look out for that. And, uh, you know, you see, you get the people who are attention seekers, but most of the time it's people just misunderstanding, correct? Uh, correct. Uh, there was one case, uh, I'll make this short, one case where, I proved that something was a haunted pertaining to this woman's house. She had been saying for years it was, and she even had um, TV shows like the show Sighting, something similar to that. That was interested in doing a walkthrough in her house and have a, a professional psychic there to communicate with whatever she said was there. Well, I did. She was at one time living here in my hometown, and I did a walkthrough. I went through with my small group. I checked everything out. I had a historian with me, a few other people that were experts in the field that were not directly affiliated with my group, and there was absolutely nothing in this house. There were things she had set up to make it look and feel and sound as if something was going on, Uh, like she would talk about phantom odors all the time, and she had stuff set up in the uh, vent ducts to 
to blast that during certain parts of the walkthrough, that aroma. And I pulled the vent, the, uh, the vent off the side of the wall and found these little potpourri sashes and stuff set up there. And she was humiliated and angry and then went to um, Amazon and completely blasted my book, Haunted Chillicothe and Haunted Holidays, as a means of revenge. Well, thanks so much for hanging out with me to this week and listening to my stories, my encounters, and me telling you why I do what I do, the reasons behind it, the experiences I've had. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned a little, a little something. Maybe, maybe you learned something about me. I'm not sure if uh, you really cared to know, but I had fun doing this episode and hope to catch you next week when I have more unusual, more strange, supernatural, paranormal, and the unusual. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much for listening. This is Neil Parks, your host for Paranormally Speaking, signing off. you